Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. Welcome to the NFC AFC Championship Weekend Edition of the Sports Rivals. That's Ernie. I'm Monty, and together we are going to break down today's conference championship games. We're going to talk a little bit about the NFL coaching carousel. We'll early preview in terms of the line for the Super Bowl. We're going to talk some NBA, some NCAA hoops, and Ernie's closing thought on the Golden State Warriors. But Ernie, let's start first of all with the AFC since they were the first game today. Uh, Ravens and Chiefs. Ravens were giving four, four and a half by the time the game started. Those of you that follow us on social media, I put out on Twitter that without Joe Tooney uh, and a couple other missing pieces, I expected the Ravens to be able to get enough pressure on Patrick Mahomes. I thought the Ravens were going to win 31-20 and the complete opposite happened. Kansas City got the job done. Yeah, it was basically their first half effort. Second half, it was uh, actually the Ravens to have, but they did not produce a single point on the scoreboard, despite outgaining uh, the Chiefs on a over 2-1 to one basis. I mean, that was their downfall. The biggest thing that I thought on that game is that the Ravens shot themselves in the foot with stupid penalties Letting their emotions actually dictate uh, the outcome of the game, in my opinion. I think when the, the momentum comes, when you make those stupid plays, to allow the other team to, uh, you know, <clears throat> bolster, you know, their, their offense or, or negate your offense, uh, that was the final tune. I mean, case in point, when Zay Flowers made that incredible catch... And then got that taunting penalty, you know, on that same drive, going in for a touchdown, which would have made the game uh, a three-point game, fumbles the football on the goal line, and the Ravens could not recover. Yeah, I mean, it was, it, the game started off like gangbusters. I mean, Kansas City gets a three and out. They go right down the field and score. Lamar bounces right back with a score of his own on a deep ball to Zay Flowers. Kansas City answers coming right back down and scoring. They get one more field goal before the half. They go for like 222 yards in the first half. In the second half, they were completely stymied. They yep. only had 67 yards until that last drive. Right. And that one dagger uh, long pass to Marcus Valdez-Scan. To, to end the game but you're absolutely right and it wasn't just bad penalties they were all 15 yard yeah. type penalties right. the taunting the accident I, I would say it's an accidental punch to the head of Mahomes uh, another roughing the passer with Clowney Clowney. Goes yeah. with his head and all legitimate there were no bad calls to me in that game they were all legitimate penalties um and then the turnovers. I mean, that's the recipe with Baltimore. We kind of alluded to that last week. If it was a close game, you got to go with Kansas City because if you make Lamar come from behind, you could feel through the TV the stress and the pressure oh, yeah. on the Ravens. They were frustrated. They were throwing their helmets everywhere. Um, they only ran the ball 10 times 
the number one Russian team in football only runs the ball 10 times. They got out of sorts. Um, but Ernie, I think it's time now if they win for sure. But I do think it's time that Andy Reid gets his props for being one of the greatest coaches of all time you don't get to four super bowls in five years if they win this that'll be three in the last what four or five years mm-hmm. um that they've won they were there's they had no business beating the ravens no, today not the ravens all. had destroyed everybody all year long they this year was odd they finally don't have the number one seed are they this is our shot to knock them off they go to buffalo and win they go to the baltimore and win uh they've earned this super bowl appearance to me andy reed's best coaching job so far um because it's not the offense carrying the load the defense, the defense yeah. was tremendous again today against that vaunted raven offense oh yeah definitely definitely i mean those two those two turnovers uh you know in the red zone that negates uh the baltimore ravens from <coughs> actually running away with this all San francisco which we'll talk about a little bit later uh really stymied them and like you said uh the frustrations mounted you could see the, 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 the thinking of Lamar Jackson. Uh, he was very rushed in his approach, mm-hmm. especially as time winded down, making, uh, to me, non-Lamar moves. Uh, yeah, that interception in the end yeah. zone was pointless. I mean, there's he was triple covered. He was certainly double covered. Oh, yeah. And Lamar said, I was just going to throw it up and have him make a play. But that's not necessary at that point in time. Only down by seven. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, they, yeah, they, they had. It was the pressure. They succumbed to their own self-imposed pressure. And uh, unfortunately for them, you may not get another chance like this. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's 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 it. Super Bowl, you know, you're 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 uh window of opportunity because now you're not i mean the ravens have always been uh you know a a contender you know and coming out of the (coughs) afc north which had three representatives uh going to the afc playoff now uh has no one that you know uh left uh is a travesty in my opinion because if you, they play this team again on a neutral field, I think the spread would be bigger because just the way that the Ravens played and uh, you know in the second half and showed their dominance, I I really don't think if the Ravens play their A game, the Kansas City plays their A game. Oh, it's the Ravens a, it's are a, it's a ten, it's a it's a ten point blowout in my opinion. Well, the Ravens had a record eleven wins this year by fourteen or more points. They had nine wins against teams with winning records. They were mauling everybody except the Steelers and the Rams. The yeah. Steelers beat them twice, and the Rams should have beat them, but we didn't. <laughs> but anyway, um, it's unfortunate for a Ra- for the Ravens. Ernie's kind of happy, happy about that happy. because as a Steeler fan, you're not going to be you're not going to want the Ravens to excel. But if you're a Lamar Jackson fan, like many people are, I think you thought or everyone thought that this was going to be finally the year for him, and it just did not materialize. And Patrick Mahomes, did he have the greatest game ever? Nobody. No. He was very efficient again. No turnovers. Kept moving the chains, especially in the first half. Did not force the issue. Did not you know. Know, make a key turnover that's a game changer and Kelsey 
Yeah, Kelsey went was went off. Yeah, eleven targets, eleven catches. Yep, for one hundred and sixteen yards and a touchdown and a kiss from Taylor Swift at the end of the game <laughs> that went viral. So let's switch to the NFC again. That's Ernie. I am Monty. It was a tale of two halves, and I have a lot to say on this game. But let's go to Ernie first. The Detroit comes out like gangbusters. They end up taking a twenty-four to seven lead into the half. And then the world caved in in the second half. Your initial thoughts on that? Game? Yeah, I thought they came in with a lot of confidence. I think that Green Bay game last week uh, that the 49ers escaped from, in my opinion, was a good indication that, hey, you know what? We're in the same division as Green Bay, and we beat them. You know, we were the tops in that conference. Uh, and they almost, you know, they almost handed uh, San Francisco an L on the end of that game. So they came in with a lot of confidence, and it showed. The most rushing yard that the San Francisco defense allowed in the running game in a half, uh, Detroit, between <laughs> Jameer Gibbs and Montgomery, over 100 yards are uh, rushing out, uh, you know, outrunning uh, all-world running back from San Francisco, McCaffrey, uh, in that first half. Goff was throwing darts uh, all over the field. Uh, that initial drive to open up the game just gave them more confidence but then came the second half, and and take it how you will. I, I know I know you have thoughts in regards to this. Uh, Dan Campbell uh, follows true to his uh, philosophy on going for it on on fourth down. Uh, backfired, gives San Francisco the momentum, and in my opinion. Uh, that's where the game was lost. Yeah, I completely agree. So the, the the Lions were extremely impressive in the first half. Then they catch a break in the second half. Not really a break, but San Francisco drives down. They get a couple sacks, force them to kick a field goal. It's 24 to 10. They drive right back down the field. They get stopped. An incredible shot. <laughs> yeah, they, they get stopped with an opportunity to kick a field goal to go back up by three scores, which I think is important. You don't ever, if you can get make it so that they have to score three times, you take that. He doesn't. He goes for it on fourth down. Um, Josh Reynolds could have made that catch. It would have been a hard catch, but he could have made that catch. The momentum changes after that. Now, granted, it was... A long pass from Purdy that should have been intercepted. It hits off the guy's face mask, bounces up in the air. Ayuk grabs cool. it. Incredible. And then that becomes a touchdown to make it 24 to 17. But the momentum was completely changed. And they get the ball back, first carry, fumble, right back for another touchdown. Sorry. And it's 24 24 with maybe seven or eight minutes into the third quarter. It was already even. Um, then the 49ers go back up 27-24 in the fourth quarter. Lions drive all the way down the field with an opportunity to kick a 45-yard field goal to tie it. Nope, he goes for it again. They did not make it. 49ers go right down the field. They score to put it up 34-24, and essentially the game was over. Even at the end of the game, they went down the field. They needed a touchdown and a field goal. And then on fourth and four, instead of kicking the field goal, because you need both, he he went for it. Uh, Now, granted, they did score a touchdown on that one, but it's just that I understand that you are true to yourself. You're going to be aggressive, but... There's a difference between regular season games. There's a difference between going to the going 
to the Super Bowl. And to me, this loss is partly on Dan Campbell. It didn't help that Josh Reynolds dropped two balls and they got some bad luck, but he could have gone up three scores, didn't do it. He could have tied the game, didn't do it. Um, He has to accept some of the responsibility and knowing him, he absolutely will. Yeah, he will. And that's that's good on him. I mean, it works. It works sometimes and sometimes it doesn't work. In my opinion, when you are, uh, you know, the visiting team and the crowd can actually help the other team with that momentum, you're basically uh, the risk is not worth the reward. It is definitely if now if you're at home, your home crowd could help you. But on a away game in San Francisco in a playoff atmosphere, the risk is not worth the reward. In my opinion, if he goes for that field goal, they hit that field goal, this game is Detroit's to lose. Yeah, it's 27-10. They're back yeah. up three scores. Pressure goes back to San Francisco. Um, yeah, I thought I thought that was game-changing at that point in time. And, and if you make one mistake, so be it. But to do it again in the second half with a chance to tie... I could see if you're down four, but to be down three and a chance to tie on a 45-yard field goal, uh, you got to take that. you got to be able to, to gotta. put the pressure back on the other team. Uh, but he did it, and Detroit goes down. San Francisco survives 34 Again. Again. to 31. You know, give Detroit credit. They played really, really well for most of the game other than that one stretch um, in the in the third quarter, again, some of it I blame the coach. Some of it clearly Josh Reynolds dropped, dropped. a couple of balls. The the guy should have intercepted the ball. So those that are, you know, in favor of the ultra aggressiveness of Dan Campbell will point to those things. Hey, if he intercepts the ball, Ayuk doesn't catch it's that, over. and they don't score. It's over. Um, you know, so there's 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 ways to evaluate certain things. But to me, like you alluded to, as the underdog with an opportunity to go up three scores, you take it with a chance to tie it with six minutes left. You take it. Uh, he didn't. In either case, the result: San Francisco reverses. A seventeen-point halftime deficit to tie the biggest comeback Back. in championship game yep. history, uh, and they advance to the Super Bowl. Now we're looking at the San Francisco 49ers, the Kansas City Chiefs. There's going to be a lot of red and gold in Las Vegas with the two teams with the exact same color scheme. Um, San Francisco opens up as an early two and a half point favorite. Over under is 49. I said all year, and so did you, that on a neutral field, if they're healthy, San Francisco is going to be favored. But something is just not right with them. Defensively, something is not right with them. They're... uh, they're giving up points, even with all those superstars. Bosa had his couple of sacks, um, but other than that, they were Detroit was able to go up and down the field for the majority of that game. Um, you can't rule out Mahomes. I mean, you can't you rule can. out Mahomes. We'll break this game down yeah. more next week. But just your early thoughts right now. I would. I mean, uh, just based upon the feeling. I mean, it's going to be two weeks. Uh, before the Super Bowl, so a lot of things can happen as far as you know my feelings and right. But right now, if I were to pick, and the game was like tomorrow, I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Kansas City Chiefs are better than the Green Bay Packers. I think they're better than the Detroit Lions. And like you said, they could have, should have lost to both of those teams if not for a miraculous, if not for a, uh, in, in in the Green Bay game. Uh, non-conversion of red zone opportunities, and in you know, and, and in today's game against 
<clears throat> the Detroit Lions uh, fatal coaching errors. So right now, and Kansas City and Mahomes, this is their fourth. This is Mahomes' fourth. It's a been there, done that. He's not gonna. He, he's he's not gonna blink. He's not gonna blink. And he's coming into this game with the best defense he's had. In all those Super Bowls Oh definitely This is a defensive team right now Believe it or not Which is really odd to say uh, But Pacheco can use the two weeks to get healthy uh, It's going to be It's it's certainly going to be an interesting game I mean Brock Purdy Give him credit He played well today Especially in the second half Not necessarily with his arm Because he missed yeah, some his But runs. his legs yes. He get key first down After key first down After key first down Five of them in the second half that kept drives alive and ultimately helped lead San Francisco to that comeback victory. So I would agree with you on the on the surface. I think I would take Kansas City plus the points. Uh, it's going to be a, a it should be a great game. I would think be. just like last year, probably not quite as high scoring. Um, but it's going to be interesting. Can Patrick Mahomes win his third? But I think it's I think the writing is already on the wall that he is truly in the same tier or ascending in the same tier as Tom Brady. There's no one else really already to have the level of accomplishments for Super Bowls in your first six seasons. It's not supposed to be that easy. Yeah. I mean, this is Detroit's first opportunity. Detroit's the only team in the Super Bowl era not to make the Super Bowl yet. It's not that easy for Patrick Mahomes to go four times in six years. Yeah. I mean, that's that's Terry Bradshaw-like. I mean, he... You know, and when I so you, you're, you're talking about Bradshaw, Montana, Brady, Mahomes. I mean, that's that's hall, that's Hall of Fame material right there. Yeah, he's already a Hall of Famer in my book. Now, can he just accumulate more Super Bowl titles? But tremendous respect for Andy Reid. This Kansas City team did not look good the entire year. They're putting it together at the right time. They beat the Dolphins. They beat the Bills. They beat the Ravens. And they're in the Super Bowl once again. Yeah, and they did it, uh, unlike other years, on the road. On the road. On the road. All right, Ernie, let's transition to the NFL coaching carousel. The biggest news of the week, Jim Harbaugh decides to to go to the Los Angeles Chargers. uh, They replace him uh, at at Michigan with the assistant coach that took over with uh, Coach Moore is the new coach at Michigan. I believe this is a perfect fit for Jim Harbaugh. Although watching that game today, cheering on his brother looking at Patrick Mahomes thinking man I gotta I gotta deal with that now for the next few years Um, I just think it's the perfect fit for him he has one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL he has a good offensive line that's already in place they have defensive talent they're just undisciplined they're not tough enough mentally and that's what Harbaugh will bring to the table he's gonna ruffle some feathers he's gonna piss some people off he's probably gonna get rid of some people but he is going to make them tough-minded um I don't I'm not willing to say that in year one they're gonna be a dominant team but it would not surprise me with the talent that they have on that team he can win quickly. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a situation where he can come in. I would not be surprised if they win 10, 11 games next year and be a factor in the playoffs. Uh, Jim Harbaugh leaves Michigan after winning a national title, doesn't have to deal with the NCAA anymore, NIL, all that crap that these college coaches have to deal with. He moves on 
Your thoughts on Harbaugh to the Chargers? Uh, terrific move. I mean, before he went to Michigan, he was the San Francisco 49ers coach. Had tremendous success over there with Kaepernick, you know, and the bunch over there. I mean, I thought, I mean, when when his career is over, he'll go down as one of the greatest, in my opinion. I, again, we talked about this maybe an, an episode or two ago. There are very few coaches who who become successful on both sides of the ball. What I'm talking about is college ranks and then switching over to the NFL ranks. I mean, we, we talked... We talked about uh, Nick Saban, the Alabama coach, who had you know tremendous success, success at LSU and Alabama, but struggled when he went into Miami. And then, you know, but Harbaugh, he's done it in both places, two different NFL teams that we'll see. But I'm very confident, like you are, in regards to you know his potential success with the San Diego Chargers. That roster has underperformed for the last two years, but they're still there. You get them in the right direction, willing to sacrifice for the benefit of the team, get them on a common goal. That team can be, on paper, a Super Bowl contender. I, I would think so, too. And they have the number five pick in the draft. You know, so they're going to be able to bring in a Brock Bowers at tight end if they want to go that route. Maybe a, a, another offensive lineman. Harbaugh likes tough offensive line so maybe they go in in that direction but they have talent they have the fifth pick in the draft it wouldn't come surprise me to have him come in and start getting rid of guys that don't fit his style especially if they have big contracts but uh you know i don't love it because i want the rams to dominate la <laughs> Um, but if you're a charger fan you have to be ecstatic will this, to get jim harbaugh will they is that stadium opening for the no? Chargers? They're, still, they're still they're still they're still going to share. It's yeah for quite a while more. They're they're still going to share. Um, okay, and other coaching news, some lesser lesser things that happen. I think Canales, the the um, coordinator from Tampa Bay, takes over the Carolina gig. But the big news, I think, which is surprising, is that the Atlanta Falcons don't go with Bill Belichick. Instead, they take Los Angeles Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris. And he is hired by the Falcons. Bill Belichick, I don't think he's going to get a gig right now. I mean, I don't see another avenue for him realistically. I don't see him going to Seattle. I don't see him going to to the commanders. Uh, And there's really nothing else that's left. So your thoughts on the Falcons bypassing Belichick and what that means for Bill? I think they, you know, the ownership in in Atlanta kind of, Kind of knows the way that Bill operates, and I just I just don't think it fits their uh, their custom over there. Belichick is, you know, I mean, it's his way or the highway, you know. I, I think Arthur Blank, the owner of the you know the Blanks, the owners of the Falcons, I don't think they want it that way. I think they want some say in regards to personnel and in, in regards to how that team functions. That may be the problem for the Falcons, you know. Uh, who's to say? But. You know, it's their team. It's their decision. I just don't think it was the right fit for them. Neither do I. I mean, I think they made a smart decision. And again, if if Bill is going to insist on having player personnel decision-making ability, I don't think he's going to coach again. I honestly don't think another team is going to give him that kind of control because he's proven 
to not be successful at that. And at his age, it just doesn't make sense. Now, for the Rams, they lose defensive coordinator Raheem Morris. Um, Raheem Morris is taking Rams quarterbacks coach Zach Robinson to be his offensive coordinator. So the Rams starting from scratch again, like they do virtually every single year. Um, Sean McVay is still the youngest coach in the NFL and has six head coaches in the NFL from his coaching tree. Wow. It is remarkable, uh, his coaching tree already at age 37 years old, to have that many coaches um, as head coaches in the NFL. So the only other thing that I kind of wanted to mention is clearly the Eagles are not going to, did not fire Nick Sirianni. They forced him to fire his coordinators. The hires, though, very, very interesting. Uh, Fangio leaves the Dolphins, goes to the Eagles. I think he's a great fit with that personnel. Kellen Moore um, gets hired to be the offensive coordinator. At a minimum, he certainly knows Dallas's playbook and Dallas's personnel. Now, is that the answer for Sirianni? We'll see. But they sure went big game hunting, going after uh, Nick Fangio and then or Vic Fangio and then Kellen Moore to replace. The, their coordinators, do you think that's enough to turn the tide for the no, Eagles? No, I, I, I don't think so. I, think, I, thought they, I thought that basically what had happened was uh, in, the, in the two years, and it showed towards, the, uh, towards midseason that this team was playing, uh, even though they had a very good start to the season, that a lot of their wins were very close and that the expectations for this team was too high, in my opinion. I thought last year their great success was based a little bit upon surprise. I don't think that anybody would have thought that Jalen Hurts would have, uh, you know, come out <clears throat> that strong. <clears throat> but I think this is where the Philadelphia Eagles are. I think they're a contending team, but I think they're a team that can be had. You know, and I don't think it's going to be anything in regards to uh, their coaches. I think you choose as a Philadelphia Eagle fan on player development. You got a you got a stud of University of Georgia defensive players on that on that roster that you need to develop. In my opinion, they've they you know uh, not tank, but they're a little bit uh, <clears throat> what do you call it? underwhelming in you know coming out of the gates into their professional careers. Uh, for me, they should have stood pat, made the development, because really your key players are, are young other than Kelsey, who retired this year. Uh, but that Philadelphia fan base, man, they just, they're very impatient. And this may come back to backfire, in my opinion. Yeah, so we'll see how that does. But again, only a couple of positions remain. The commander's... Today on the on the uh, Niner game, they implied that Ben Johnson, Detroit's offensive coordinator, is going to be the next head coach of the Washington Commanders. If the Commanders can get him, that's a great, yeah. great gig. That guy has proven, I think, already to be quite an offensive mind. So that's kind of what the situation is in the NFL. Again, we'll break down Super Bowl next week. Uh, right now, we're leaning Kansas City, but a lot can happen in the next 14 days. We'll break that down more for you next week. So we're going to get to the NBA in a little bit, but we're finally going to talk a little bit NCAA basketball. Unfortunately, we're not going to spend a lot of time on the University of Hawaii. I think I spent enough time next week yeah. looking into um, 
Aaron Ganat a little bit. Uh, this week, they get blown by Santa Barbara on Thursday. They did come back and beat the winless Cal Poly team last night to get back on the schneid. Um, but let's talk your North Carolina Tar Heels. So right now, guys, the Yukon Huskies are your number one team in the nation. They are 18-2. and two. They won by 40 today over, over Xavier. Number two is Purdue behind Zach Eady, who is destined to be a back-to-back national player of the year. And then at number Huge. three is the North Carolina Tar Heels. R.J. Davis has really stepped up. They've been on a roll. And what's surprising, Ernie, it is not Armando Bacon no, who's having his, I don't want to say worst. That's, a, that's, a, that's not the right word, but his least, statistically speaking, yeah. season of the last four. He's regressed uh, across the board. But as a team, they're doing really, really well at number three. You've got to be excited about your Tar Heels. Oh yeah, I mean it's a mix of the old, it's a mix of the new. They got the they got a freshman that's starting right now. They got somebody coming in from the transfer portal from Notre Dame that's uh, contributing a lot. But like you said, R.J. Davis. I mean, I thought he did well last year. You know, he was the up and comer. Now that love has uh, come and gone, uh, I who knows maybe. Maybe the bad stuff from that team who had high expectations, bringing back everyone, you know, from their final, uh, you know, from their championship uh, uh, game year was just too much. I mean, you had uh, Puff Johnson, Cam Johnson's brother, leave for Penn State. Uh, you know, you had. Uh, <coughs> yeah, McCoy leave for the University of Hawaii. <laughs> black, uh, black, black, leaky black left. Of course, like I mentioned, love left. But that team is really, really gelling. I'm, uh, a big part of it, I think, is that Duke, uh, who's normally up there, is regressing. Yeah, Duke is right now. They're number 12. And they're at 13 and 4. Uh, North Carolina is at 15 and 3. But the whole ACC, as of right now, bracketology, only three ACC teams get into the big dance, which is crazy. Five Mountain West teams get in. So just fathom that for a little bit. The ACC has three and the Mountain West has five. That just doesn't make logical sense. But, yeah, North Carolina is playing really well. RJ uh, Davis is playing like an All-American, I think, at this point, averaging over 21 points a game. Houston, as they always do, they're right there. And now Houston, you know, remember, Houston is not in the Conference USA anymore. Houston is a part of the Big 12. So going 18-2 and two in the Big 12 is a different animal than going 20-0 and 0 in Conference USA. So right. this Houston team looks like they're for real. Tennessee, who was here in the Maui Classic, is number five. They've lost a couple games here, dropped all the way down to 20. They're all the way back up to five. Kentucky having their best year in a while at six. Kansas loses again yesterday, but they're still in the top Uh, But it's kind of your usual suspects there. You got Kansas, Auburn, Arizona, Illinois, Oklahoma, Duke. Kind of still anybody's ball game. Watching the teams, UConn right now looks phenomenal again, even despite the fact that they lost a lot of players. Purdue, I'm kind of like how we alluded to. They got to show me they can actually get out of round one and two. Um, But this team looks better constructed around him. They've got defense. They've got shooting. They've got a good point guard. Um, I think this is probably their the best iteration of Purdue. But I can see why your North Carolina Tar Heels can't cut down the nets at this point as much as anyone else. Unfortunately for me, 
this season sucks because <laughs> Michigan is seven and twelve, and Gonzaga's been playing well, but they're still outside the top twenty-five. But coming up this week for Gonzaga, St. Mary's, tough. and then at Kentucky. Wow! So that's going to be a tough, tough time uh, for Gonzaga because just flat out with the with the injury and the departures of certain players, this team is just not cut out they're not good enough to make any kind of a serious run right now in bracketology they're their first team out they're not even in the big dance at this point which i think is kind of crazy uh at 16 and 5 i certainly think gonzaga is one of the top 68 teams in the nation oh definitely but they're gonna have to get some some uh, quad one wins which they don't have right now so north carolina up and down yeah up and down up and down but right now they're very much up and uh, I, I like it. And Baycott's not even playing well yet. It's almost like he's pacing himself. It's Davis. Ingram is a, a great rebounder, a great wing defender. Uh, he's fit in real nicely. It just seems like the pieces have fit uh, for this particular North Carolina Tar Hill team. So, whew. It's on you, Ernie, because your team is still alive. <laughs> My we, team's suck. <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll see uh, in about six weeks when you know the yeah. tournament uh, playoffs start. And uh, it's that time. That's the time you really want to be hot. I remember when two years ago, when North Carolina made it to the championship game. Uh, you know, they had to get past Duke. And they're like an eight seed. Right. Right. You right. Know, so it's a matter of when when you get hot. You're absolutely right. See, it's why I have so many teams that I like. That way, I always have somebody who's relevant. <laughs> <laughs> so, Duke, you're the highest-ranking team that I that I really like. That's still in there. I like Kentucky as well. But what are your uh, what are your what are your thoughts on Howard, though? I, I think Jawan Howard has to go. I, I do. I, I'm not sure there is a big support. That that's why the Fab Five got together was to show some support for Jawan and and the Michigan program again. But I just think once that that, that he incident, his lid, yeah. I just think that it's harder to recruit because he was getting all five stars when he first got there. Now he's not getting anyone. Uh, I don't like the way he uses his players a, a, a lot, but he's not getting the talent anymore, and it's showing. I mean, they're seven and thirteen. Plus, you throw in his heart. Uh, procedure that he had earlier this year um, I just think that the Michigan Wolverines is probably going to have to go in another direction maybe they should hire Aaron Ganat from the <laughs> University <laughs> of Hawaii but congratulations to the Tar Heels they're in a good spot right now at least relative to all the teams that I am cheering for. So, Ernie, that's Ernie. I'm Monty. Again, we are part of the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Uh, again, check out Kuule and Paul Breck weekday mornings, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Wake Up in the Den, 760 a.m., 95.1 FM on your dial. All of your Clipper basketball, unfortunately. Um, OIA sports, including the soccer tournament that just happened, the basketball tournaments that have just happened, HPU sports, and more, all on Hawaii Sports Radio Network, where you can hear our podcast at hisportsradio.com. But Ernie, let's talk a little bit about the NBA. The only thing, I mean, the game times, you can we can talk a little bit about the Clipper victory over your Celtics and what that might mean, especially how they look. But the surprising news of the week, at least for me, Adrian Griffin gets fired uh, 43 games into his first season with a record of 30 and 13 uh, it caught a lot of people off guard. Former Celtic Sixer Clipper coach Doc Rivers slides into that role. Your thoughts on the firing and is Doc Rivers the answer for the Milwaukee Bucks? 
I was like everyone else. I was I was shocked at the at the firing. As I looked into the reasons why, and you know, when I was investigating online on 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 uh, you know justification for that firing, being that this was from what I was told the second uh, most wins of a coach being fired, second to Blatt of the Cleveland Cavaliers when LeBron James was there, uh, as far as wins was concerned, was uh, you know the main reason for that, but. Uh, Adrian Gri- Griffin just told, I mean, talk about ch- doing a 180. I mean, that defense of the Milwaukee Bucks totally disappeared this year. I mean, the regression of that defense obviously came uh, from, a, you know, a, a Celtics coup when uh, they picked up uh, Drew Holiday uh, via the Portland Trailblazers on that trade, getting, you know, bringing in Damian Lillard to uh, Milwaukee, but... It's more than coaching. Damian Lillard is a veteran, and he is a top seventy-five player in all aspects. But you don't, you don't infuse defense in half a season. You don't infuse defense into that, uh, you know, into you know his DNA. No matter if John Wooden was here, let alone. You know, let alone Doc Rivers, and all due respect to Doc Rivers, he is a a good coach. I, you know, from me following Doc Rivers when he was with the Boston Celtics, he was more not more of an X and O's guy. He was more of a motivator. Yeah. You know, and that part can only go so far. You can motivate someone to want to try to play defense, but if you do not really have that skill set, it's not going to happen. You have to actually coach that. And like I said. Littered is an old dog, and this is going to be a new trick, and it's going to be difficult. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I get it. I mean, I guess you don't want to waste Giannis Antetokounmpo's time period. You know, Dame is getting older too, so I, I understand the sense of urgency. It just seems odd to me that you make that kind of a firing halfway through the season, their first season. So unless he had lost the locker room where things were so egregious. Uh, that you have to make a move. I think that's one thing. I'm not sure Doc Rivers is the answer. I'm not. I, I totally agree with Ernie. I don't think this is a motivational thing. It, Giannis is psychotic, you know, so he's always going to play hard. Um, plus, I don't think you can just come in halfway through the season and install your own program. You know, it takes some time. So I would expect a possible regression by the Bucks, I would. And then maybe an acceleration at the end if everything is going to work out. I still think they're a trade away. I think they need DeJounte Murray much more than the Lakers do at this point in time because I don't think the Lakers are going anywhere uh, as much as I love my Lakers. Um, but the Bucks could. But... They need more defense if they're going to make a difference because they don't have enough offense to compete with Boston. So if they don't have enough offense, then you need to have some defense to get some stops. And I just, I just, you know, I, I don't see it. Um, but again, you have an all-time great in Giannis Antetokounmpo. You make more rash decisions sometimes to give him the best opportunity to succeed. Will this make a difference? I'm not sure. I, I still think your Celtics are sitting pretty, despite yesterday's thrashing by the Clippers. I still think they're they're sitting pretty. I'm not sure 
I kind of I kind of sense that they don't have the same killer instinct motivation that they had earlier in the year for whatever reason, um, which is not a bad thing because again you can you can use all your energy in the regular season and they need it in the postseason. I still like the Celtics, but your thoughts on yesterday's thumping by the Clippers? Are the Clippers really that good? They're good. I don't think they're that good. I, I mean, they won by nineteen. Uh, they actually won by thirty. They were up by thirty-five when. All the reserves came in, but you know that was uh, Celtics had open shots. Celtics the night before had the most, had the highest field goal percentage, uh, the second highest field goal percentage since 1987. So this, to me, this was just the law of averages. You know, you take all that high, you, you make all the shots one game, you miss it the next game. Just two weeks before, the New Orleans Pelicans scored 155 points. And the next game scored 87. So it wasn't towards that part. But to me, that was a case of the law of averages. Uh, and I'm not taking anything away from the, the Clippers. They have the best record in the NBA since December. Uh, they are a very since Russell Westbrook agreed to go to the bench. <sighs> they have just taken off. Yeah, and they have not looked back. They've and they've been remarkably healthy. Yeah, they, they've they've been they've been playing very well. But in the, I I take nothing away uh, as as far as my concern. I would be concerned if I if the Celtics match up with the Clippers because they they can score. They got good veterans, savvy veterans. And they play defense. Uh, would I pick them? Uh, would I pick the Clippers to come out of the West? I think I, I think right now they're they're probably playing the best ball. We'll see. I we'll see if Denver can uh, turn up the juices. They lost by almost forty points last week. So in in my opinion, they have more problems uh, than the Celtics have. You know, they've been playing some close games. I mean, they played Charlotte. They beat Charlotte by five. Uh, to me, the West is still up in the air. Minnesota wants to wants to put on scoring uh, shows, even though they're a defensive-minded team. OKC is still too young, in my opinion, uh, without a valid big man. Uh, that West team, although they're very deep as far as a number of, uh, you know, as far as the number of contenders on that side, uh, really don't have, in my opinion, a very dominant team. Denver can be. Uh, I don't know if you can just turn it off and on. We'll see what happens after the All-Star break and after this, uh, you know, what happens in the NBA trade deadline, how those rosters shape up. But right now, I'm not worried about the Boston Celtics. I mean, they're, they're, they have the second best record since December. They have the number two defense. They have the number two offense. Uh, that's all I can say in a seven game series I'll take that yeah so I think I think you're you're right I think the Celtics are still the class of the East in the West it can be anybody's ball game but in the West with the Clippers they've been unusually healthy um Phoenix, when they have all three guys, they're on a roll. They look really good. So it's going to come down to attrition. Who's going to be healthy when the playoffs start? Uh, Matchups will play into that as well. So we still have a lot of season left. We're about at the halfway point for most teams. Some little more than half, some little less than half. The All-Star game is coming up. The All-Star starters were announced in the East. You had... 
uh, Tyrese Halliburton and Dame Lillard getting the starting nods. And then uh, down low, you have Embiid. You have Jason Tatum and Giannis Antetokounmpo who had the most votes. I think the only question um, was Dame Lillard. Is he better than a Jalen Brunson or a Donovan Mitchell or a Tyrese uh, Maxey? When you look at the player vote, you have Tyrese Maxey had the second most points for the players. Tyrese Halliburton had 133 and Maxey had 131. Dame only had 61. You know, so um, that's the only question. But I do think that Brunson, Mitchell, and Maxey are all going to be all-stars. So it's not like it's going to cost anyone an all-star spot. Ernie and I will have our predictions for the full roster coming up in the next Maybe next week we'll yeah. do the Super Bowl and we'll do our predictions for the All-Star. In the West, I don't think there's really any controversy. You have Doncic and SGA as the starting guards. A little surprising that Curry's not in there. But the, you cannot say that Curry deserved it over one of those two. Yeah. And then down low, you have the Joker, uh, you have LeBron, and you have Kevin Durant. There's difference of, of, of opinions there. Some people say Kawhi. Some people say AD. Um, but essentially, Kawhi is going to make it. AD is going to make it. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, but this transfers over to Ernie for his closing thought. Yeah. In regards to the All-Star game, it's an All-Star game. It's for the, it's for the fans. Ben Simmons, for whatever reason, got some votes. I have no idea why he got any votes Whatsoever, I mean, uh, how many games has he played? Like five this season. But, you know, apparently people still think he has the same skill level from three years ago. Uh, so we'll move on past that. Uh, my closing thought uh, has has to do with the Golden State Warriors on 